I'm Hannah. And I'm Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah, there we are. <laughs> <laughs> Take a walk on the weird side, it goes bump in the night. Take a walk on the weird side, they can't trust the living, they can't kill the dead, they can't stop the voices inside your head. They can't run, they can't hide. Take a walk on the weird side. Well, welcome back, weirdos. Welcome back, everybody. As you know, I'm Hannah. And I'm Taylor. And together we are Weird, weird Side Podcast. Podcast. Thank you guys for joining us on this episode as well. We didn't really plan for it to be a bonus episode, but after we recorded talking about JC1, I realized that that was almost two hours long. JC1, you guys are on a nickname basis now? Duh. (laughs) Get with the program. Yeah, I figured it would be a little too much to shove all four films into one episode since I talked so much about the first one. So... Hence the reason why we're having another episode. In this episode, we will be finishing up the original episode. We will be discussing Jeepers Creepers films 2 through 4. Now. I love how one gets its own episode and the other one's like, okay, now you have to share. Well, one (laughs) is on its own ballgame. Like, it's just, like, in my head in particular, where I love the first film so much, it is a separate entity from second through fourth. Now, I love the second film, which is actually what we're getting ready to get into. I feel like we're going to talk more about the second film. Oh, we will. Than three and four combined. We probably will, because (laughs) three and four, in my personal opinion, are just massive disappointments. So, Like bringing a girl home from the bar that you met on Tinder. It's not ending well. (laughs) It's not into well. No, it's probably not going to end very well. We'll go ahead and jump into Jeepers Creepers 2. Jeepers Creepers 2 was made in 2004, so this is three years after Jeepers Creepers 1. This movie is also directed by Victor Salva. Budget-wise, $17 million was its budget. It earned anywhere between 63.1 to $120 million worldwide. So once again... That's impressive. <clears throat> We're making some pretty hefty profits on that. That's more than the first one, wasn't it, right? Um, I don't yes, remember the first one getting budget. up that high to, to triple digits on the millions. Yeah, I think this one had a higher budget and it earned higher. Hmm. But still, I mean, both films have done pretty decent as far as earning a profit. Filming locations for Jeepers Creepers 2, Tejon, I think I said that right, Tejon Ranch, California, and Long Beach, California. Yes, Mr. Williams. I just wanted to tell you that I loved you. I love you, too. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to stab it. I just, you look cute across the table from me. You're so sweet. I love you, too. I'm so lucky to be your wife. But we won't gross people out again with our uh, lovey-dovey talk. <clears throat> Body count for Jeepers Creepers 2, 17. IMDb rating, 5.6 out of 10. It's lower? It is than lower than the first film. And I, I would agree with that. Uh, I still enjoyed the film. But me personally, I agree with that. So, in this film, we start with two boys on a farm with their dad. One's a younger brother and one's an older brother. Um, the, the younger brother is readdressing some scarecrows in this cornfield. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but this opening shot always reminded me of, like, a, the scene was really yellow. Like it's very gold. bright. Yeah, it's very gold bright. I read something about why that was, but I, of course, can't remember it to talk about it now accurately, but... I think it was something like the time of day they recorded, it still wasn't bright enough, so they had to add some kind of filter effect on it Mm. 
to kind of give it that look that I guess Salva was looking for. But um, this is supposed to take place three days after the events in the first film. So we see the younger brother, Billy, messing with the scarecrows in, on the farm to get him readjusted and everything. When we see one scarecrow off in the background that looks a little bit more realistic than the other ones. And as we can guess. Gee, I wonder why. There's a reason for that. We see the creeper do that. I referenced it a lot in the first episode, but that sideways, the quick sideways glance, and then he looks back again. And he's hanging up on the scarecrow post. Kind of like how he was in the first film, except this time he's doing it in broad daylight, and he's just waiting. He's back, back to that argument in the first one about intelligence. He has to be smart to know. What a scarecrow is. Like, oh, yeah. To mimic it, to blend in. Like, yeah. He, back to, he knows what it is. So, yeah. He, we'll talk more about origins from, uh, about the creeper in this one because that's when Salva actually gives us more ideas about what the creeper is. Anyway, we see the creeper do that quick side glance and then Billy finishes with the scarecrow that he's on and then he goes to approach where the creeper's at. Before he can even make it up there, he knows that something is not right. Now, this scarecrow looks a little, bit different than the other ones we see the creeper's toes wiggle confirming billy's fears that this there's something on the scarecrow once again as i've said several times in the first film too the score in it it really matches the mood so we have those those abrupt strings and all the adrenaline inducing soundtrack to match this moment all of a sudden when billy figures out that this is not a scarecrow the creeper flies off the scarecrow post and goes in pursuit of billy Billy goes to run back towards where his dad and his brother are. He's screaming for their help, but he doesn't make it. This cornfield is huge, and the creeper ends up falling down on Billy and grabbing him. The dad and the brother go to chase after Billy, and they see that they're actually, there's a scene before the creeper takes off. They're actually running in the cornfield behind the creeper, and I think this is a really creepy shot because, like, you see, you kind of follow them, the camera does, and their vision or their viewpoint following the creeper and you see like in one shot Billy's shoe is off to the side in one shot and then you can just see like the back of the creeper and just how bizarre this would be I mean of course terrifying but how bizarre it would be then after uh they're running chasing him for a minute the creeper takes off and he flies off with Billy and the look on the dad's face it the camera really focuses in on the sadness and the shock in his eyes they kind of did that in the first film, too, like with Derry, especially. He just, Justin Long did such a good job of, like, always looking petrified. I mean, I mean, in my opinion. Some people think that the acting wasn't that good in the first film. I don't know if that's because they genuinely believe that or because they just want to hate on Salva. But either way, um, kind of the same thing here. He just has the look of somebody, like, holy shit, my son was just taken by something and taken and flown off into the sky. Yeah, so they do a good job, I think, of portraying what someone's face would really look like during a moment like that. I think the scene is pretty, uh, you learn more about the creeper in that because in the first movie, he targets dairy mostly, but he does take other people and kills them. But they're only adults. This is the first time in the series where he actually targeted a child. I was getting ready to bring that up. That's a very good observation because that was just what I was getting ready to bring up was that this is the first time we see the creeper kill a young kid on camera. Next scene, we see a bus traveling back home from a basketball game. The kids on the bus are doing their uh, basketball team chant, and 
The basketball team is called the Bannon Bantams. This is a fictional team based off of Derry's shirt from the first film, which said Banyan on it. Really? Yeah. I didn't so know that. I thought that was pretty cool. They're doing their chant. There's a car that waves at them and passes by. And then shortly later, their tire busts out on their bus. Mm-hmm. So, Are they coming back from like a big game? I thought yeah, they were. They were. It was a basketball game. Now, did they win or did they lose or does it say? Oh, man. I should know this. I, I feel like they... Word. I feel like they won because there's a scene where Scotty is disappointed because he didn't he felt like he didn't play on the team long enough. Oh, okay. And he wanted to be a part of you know, be more active into it. But I think they actually did win. Their tire gets they it blows out and then they have to pull over on the side of the road. And this is where they discover a weird handcrafted shuriken. And it's got a tooth on it, and it looks really bizarre. Of course, us Creeper fans know that the Creeper is the one who's most likely behind this. So I love how, again, this is more adding into that humor value a little bit, but the the uh, the coaches and the school bus driver, the way that their dialogue is in this scene, I think it's just kind of funny. But one of the things that one of the coaches says, I think his name is Coach Hannah, actually, but it's spelled different than my Hannah. My name, Hannah. But he says, throw that damn thing away for you need a tetanus shot. I thought that was one of the funniest lines in this whole movie. Isn't it um, weird that in the shuriken, like, there's a tooth? There, Yeah, it is like, weird. Why does he put human body parts I don't know, in I, the weapon? Like, they didn't establish that in the first one. I mean, didn't. you didn't really get to see because in the first one he had the battle axe where he cut the cop's head off. And then he had the dagger that fell. But I really didn't see human body parts in them until this movie when he put the freaking tooth yeah. In his shuriken of all things. I mean, and I don't I don't recall ever really finding out why, but to me, it just kind of strikes me as one and, of those things where he's just playing a game. And did you notice that the shuriken isn't made of metal? It's not like yeah, the battle axe was. It's a sharpened, it looked like sharpened bone or wood. Yeah, like where did he get that from? That's, I, know, I have so many questions. Once again, it kind of implies too that this is of intelligence and perhaps being human once because... I think it's also might be a slight plot hole because... If the creeper only gets 23 days, which is a little over three weeks, Mm -hmm. to do something every 23 years, he has to take time to make these weapons. Right. And you'd think with somebody with that little of time... Like, they wouldn't bother. They wouldn't be wasting it making weapons (laughs) to come after and attack people. Like, I mean, he doesn't need them. Mm -hmm. Obviously, in the first movie, he just... He can kill people with his bare hands. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, mean, it's a very valid point. The other coach that we see, his name is Coach Barnes. This is also the same guy from the first movie that was the car thief and the same person who was doing Dairy Screams at the end of the first film. Um, Is he playing the same character? No, he plays a different character. Different character, same guy. Yeah, same actor, but different character. Gotcha. And we also have a female bus driver. It's reported that Meatloaf was actually considered to play the bus driver role. I'm not really sure why they didn't go that route. <laughs> that, I feel like that would have be been awesome. awesome. I don't know why they didn't do that. I know. They probably didn't want to pay for him. Probably. Most likely. But then again, they had a pretty decent budget. Well, would you rather that budget go to having Meatloaf be your bus driver or have amazing special effects? Fair enough. Fair enough. Which, side note, there's a lot of CG used in this movie. I told you the first movie didn't have good CG either. No, but it wasn't a whole lot, though. It wasn't a lot, but it wasn't good. <laughs> See, I don't know. Maybe we're just, I'm biased. It doesn't really bother me so much. And I mean, just during a couple of scenes. I mean, I, ha- I have no room to talk. I love Godzilla movies, and their CGI is god-awful. Worse than Jeepers Creepers, but it's just part of the appeal. Yeah. 
So while the uh, coaches and the bus driver are investigating what's going on with the tire, the kids on the bus are listening to the CB radio. And on that radio, um, they hear about a news report of the Creeper's church burning down from the first film. And remember, this is taking place place three days after mm-hmm. the events in the first film. And also on this report, they listen to it, and there's something mentioned about some of the bodies are suspected to be over 200 years old. So Wait, they did find bodies down in the church? In the church, yes. Okay, then that answered my question from the first one. Did he move the bodies? Then I, I guess, guess he didn't. He must have left them there. So, once again, um, your creeper cup. That still doesn't answer why he had two bodies in the abandoned just warehouse. Just let me have the victory, okay? No, I'm just saying, Please. like... I'm not saying you're not right. I'm saying, but where did those other two bodies come from? Did he just, did he specifically choose victims, those two because he liked them? Maybe they were the cops. I don't know. Remember the cops from the crash? You know what? That's a good point. I didn't think about that. They might be. I mean, it might have been that. the old lady that he killed. Could have been. We don't know. Good point. Um, the go, the bus goes, ends up going back on the road. They can't get a hold of anyone to come help. So eventually the bus driver's like, all right, I can probably get this thing rolling. Just, you know. It's going to take a lot longer, but it can still technically, we can get home. So they get back on the bus, and then they're driving into the nighttime real slow. And the tire busts again. But before it does, one of the cheerleaders on the bus named Minxie is having a dream. And in this dream, she sees Derry warning her that the creeper is coming. And you can't hear what he's saying, but you can hear his mouth, you know, wording, he's coming for you, he's coming. And then right when she sees the creeper like kind of running through the field and he throws a shuriken in her dream, when it makes contact with that tire is when it actually busts again in real life. This is also another moment that I kind of wonder, is this in reference to Giselle from the first film? Because Giselle was a psychic and here Minxie is having visions. Could have been. Could have been. Yeah. And she didn't, I, I think... Minxie has referenced in the movie or makes some kind of comment pertaining to like she never had any of these visions happen before and all of a sudden they're happening. But wasn't she a psychic though? Not so she Minxie. obviously not Minxie. Giselle was. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. So I I kind of wondered if that was just inspired by Giselle. Uh, but anyway, the tire bus, another tire bus now, and it's completely out now. And they discover once again it's another shuriken plowed into the tire. This time, the shuriken has Derry's belly button drawn onto it, which is really, but we know what that is. But yeah, but they don't know. They don't know. And they're just like, what the hell? Please tell talk, me Did we talk about button. that in the first one? The fact that he had a, a, remember in the first movie, Giselle's like, you have a rose tattoo. Like, she knew that. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't she, How, how would that. she have known that? And then you see it when the creeper kills him and it's panning up from his body and you see it yeah. on his belly button. And now you see it again. Yeah. So it's definitely doing its... Uh, paid dues to the first film i wonder how he determines which people he turns into weapons and which people he embalms i have no idea i wonder how he determines that. i think what he does is he takes the body parts from those that he likes and then he just keeps the rest of the corpse maybe to then how does he determine which ones go into the to the weapons i don't know that's, that's i'm just curious I'm just, I I'm, am i thinking too hard into it maybe maybe maybe, maybe. i don't know anyway so the kids get off the bus again and as they get off on the bus, then the bus driver's like, okay, we need to get off the bus. And then everyone's like, oh, man. She's like, well, you want to hope someone doesn't plow into us going 80 or whatever it was that she said. So then they get off the bus. And then it isn't even a few minutes later when she's like, okay, something weird's going on out here. I changed my mind. I want everyone to get back on that bus. So as the coaches are kind of trying to, they have flares that they're trying to set out 
all of a sudden the female bus driver just disappears and you can see the flare that she's holding just drop down and plop into the road it's obviously it's freaking everybody out so they move back onto that bus then the other coach coach hannah same thing happens to him just disappears out of nowhere up into the sky coach barnes which is the same guy from the first film he's the only one left at this point like uh, adult wise so he gets everyone on the bus, and then he's getting ready to get, go back off the bus again to, I guess, investigate further, which, if it was me, like, no, I'm going to be locked on that bus with y'all because there's nothing to investigate. They're gone. They're MIA. And so right when he's getting ready to get off the bus, the creeper grabs him, like, right, you know, like, when you get on the bus, like, right when you get on the first stair, that's where he's hanging out, and the creeper just, you can see his arms come down and grab him. And try to pull him away. When you said you weren't going out there, you know what it made me think of? What? That vine. It's like, Billy, where are you, Billy? Is that you? And he's like, no, man. Forget Billy. Billy's dead. <laughs> yeah, basically. Anyway, uh, the creeper gets, ends up getting him. Scotty and a couple of other students try to fight and try to get a better hold on him so he's not taken away. But it ultimately fails. So after this happens, all the students rush to close the bus door and slide up all the windows on the bus. And then shortly later, they find the creeper at the bus door sniffing. And, like, his, he's just, like, hanging. It's really a creepy shot. He's just hanging out by the door with his face pressed up against it. And his eyes are kind of rolled up, and he's just sniffing. Once the, uh, I think Minxie is the one to discover this. And once she brings this to people's attention, everyone, of course, freaks out. Then the creeper kind of flies to the side onto the bus. And he, all of a sudden, like, flies up to the side of the window, and he sniffs again there. And this is the scene where, remember in the first uh, episode we were talking, you brought up the fact that he has an extra sense Mm -hmm. for smelling. This is when we can really see that. It's basically on the bridge of his nose, and it's just a piece that opens up where he can smell better. And to me, I'm just going to say it, it reminds me kind of of a weird vagina. (laughs) (laughs) This is my fear vagina. (laughs) So then after that, he goes towards the back of the bus, and he's upside down, and he's just looking straight at the students from the back of the bus. So I, I think a lot of people would agree, but the creeper looks different in this film than he does the first film. He looks similar, but he looks like, you know what the, you know what you could say? Hmm. That because this part of the movie where he's so close to the end of his cycle, okay. it could affect him Great argument. physically. It could. Great argument. Because you could make the argument because, you know, he might look different because he's eaten more people and he like, you know, he just, he might look different. There could be lots of reasons he did that. Or maybe they just didn't feel like the makeup was good enough in the first one. And now that they've got a bigger budget, Haley, let's, 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 let's experiment here. That's another good point. Um, one of the main differences I did notice is that his skin is more dark brown in this film. In the first film, it was more of a gray color. I just feel like he looked, he looks, he's scary, but in the first film, I felt like he looked terrifying. In this film, he looks just scary. See, I think he's creepier in the second one than the first one. You said what? I think he looks creepier in the second one than in the first one. Yeah, and my other thought is in the first one, he looks dry. Like his skin yes, looks really dry. And in this one, it looks like it's kind of moist. Yeah, like his skin it's, it's is a lot moist. more alive. Yeah. I think you could also give that an argument that he has probably eaten few yeah, more people since then and his his body is starting to come back yeah you know he, what i mean that's actually a really good point and that's another big difference i can notice off the bat with the appearance in the first mm-hmm. and second film i feel like his eyes are bigger like they're brighter i feel like you can see the sclera more his stare just kind of yeah is is like i'm not saying his stare wasn't strong in the first movie but this one you can really see his eyes when he stares and it feels 
creepier in a way. Yeah. Like he, when he's staring at him upside down, he's like just kind of like picking him he, apart. Maybe I'm thinking of conjunctiva, but his his eyes are more white to me in this movie. Like mm-hmm. in the first film, his his irises were larger, and it just to me it didn't it looked less human. Mm-hmm. In this one, they look more like human eyes. Again, that's probably because he's and been it's because he eats him. I know that's yeah. that's true. He's probably been eating. So he goes to the back of the bus and he starts weeding people out. The way this works, like, the kids are kind of lined up a little bit. And then he does these, it's kind of, again, another comedy moment. But he does, like, facial expressions to let them know who he likes and who he doesn't. Like, there's this one scene where he winks at somebody. Then he takes his finger and points it, like, does, like, a trigger finger. There's another scene where he just smiles again, like how he kind of did in the first film at somebody. And then there's another scene where he literally licks the glass and his eyes roll in the back of his head. And if that tells you anything... <laughs> yeah, yeah. With you boy. He liked that. Um, anyway, then after he weeds these people out for who he wants and who he doesn't, he flies off. Um, this causes some division on the bus after that happens because mm-hmm. people are like, what the hell is going on? What is this thing? And they're trying to, you know, they kind of are figuring out like this is, this is kind of what we think is going on here. Like it, it's pretty obvious that he... It seems like he's going after certain people and some people he doesn't really care about. Those people know who they are and they need to get off the bus. Mm -hmm. Minxie collapses again and she has another vision of Derry. And in this vision, uh, the creeper is back in that cornfield from the beginning of the movie. And he's hanging up there. And Derry is off to the side in the cornfield and his lips are just moving really rapidly and whispers. You can't really figure out what he's saying. And then all of a sudden he just stops breathing, sorry, speaking, not breathing, and says, every 23rd spring for 23 days it gets to eat. And Minxie goes, eat what? It, the camera shoots back at Derry and he goes, eat us, and his eyes are missing again. And then Minxie wakes up. She gasps and wakes up. She tries to explain the vision to her classmates, but some of them doubt her, particularly Scotty. Uh, this is also... Is that, is that the douchebag? Yes. This is the same guy who was in Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, this guy does a really good job of being an ass. <laughs> he yep. does a really good job. Like, I hate him. Yeah. I'm he, sure the actor is lovely, but as a character, I hate him. Yeah, he's kind of a, a dick. So, some people believe her, some people don't, and, you know, it's just as confusing to her. Like I said, there's a reference to her not having visions like these before. Bucky, uh, another one of the students, tries to keep calling for help over the CB radio. And finally, Jack Taggart Sr., which is the father from the beginning opening scene, hears his call for help, and he and his son Jackie head towards the bus to hunt down the creeper. And everyone applauds and goes in an uproar because they're excited. Finally, someone knows that they need help, and they're on their way. And at this time, the creeper comes back to the bus, and he shoves his hand through the top of the bus, and he grabs Bucky by the head. Another student named Rhonda grabs the creeper, stabs the creeper with a javelin stick through the ceiling, which it impales his eye. At the first time she stabs him, it's through his chest, but the second time she, because he still won't let go of Bucky, the second time she does it, it goes up into his head and busts his eye right out. It's a pretty cool shot when the camera pans to it. The creeper, like, stumbles, and then he's gone for a moment. He just flies up into the sky, and you can see, this is a CG effect, but you can see him, like, fly up and then, like, just disappear into the sky to nothing. And he's gone for a moment, and then he comes crashing back down onto the bus. And this fall has such a high impact that it busts out all the windows on the bus and jams the doors. Which, actually, he kind of jammed the doors earlier when he was in the back of the bus the first time weeding people out. He shook the bus side to side, and we see a screw come out. So... He's just landed on this bus and busted out the windows now, and he's doing some damage to this bus. After the creeper lands on the bus, his wing comes 
through the middle of the bus, dividing some of the students because some of them are hanging out towards the front and some are towards the back. So then the students from the front are trying to get the ones from the back to cross over. And one student who is holding the wing to help, all of a sudden it just, the creeper just like opens it up and then grabs this student named Dante and decapitates him. The creeper then, you hear all we hear up, you know, we can't see what's going on up there, but we hear a whole bunch of crunching noises and we can assume what the creeper is doing. Eats Dante's head, removes his own, and it's kind of like a reverse digest. He brings his head up from his stomach and it replaces his own head. And you can see the transformation of this scene and again i think it's cgi but this actually this moment's actually not bad it's a pretty cool scene you were going to talk about earlier about how the creeper's head looks different in this movie maybe that's why maybe he at some point in those three days replaced his head could have been and before he decapitates his head or throws his own head off so he can replace his head this is another like there's a scene where Rhonda looks up from the hole in the bus to see what's trying what tries to see what's going on up there and he falls forward and looks right at her and half of his head is gone. And this is clearly a CG effect. But, you know, still, overall, pretty cool scene. The team members created more than 15 different wing designs, by the way, for the creeper in this movie. Wow. And I think that's probably probably for the practical effects. Probably during this scene in particular, would be my guess. After this happens, most students decide to leave the bus and the creeper chases after them. This makes the students divide up again. Minxie comes across Jack Sr. and Jackie and she takes them back to the bus. Jack Sr. shoots the creeper with a post puncher, which is a makeshift harpoon, and it injures the creeper but does not take him down. The bus is destroyed in this process. The next scene we see Rhonda, Izzy, and Double D discover a broken down truck that's the same truck as uh, we saw earlier in the movie. They get it to jump start and then they take off, but the creeper finds them and he begins to chase them. At one point, Izzy has this truck floored and the creeper is still like right up on one of them because one of them has to ride in the truck bed because there's no room in the front. Izzy ends up uh since the creeper is just gaining in and like just inches away from grabbing one of them Izzy has to think fast on what to do so he ends up throwing Rhonda out of the truck and he abruptly breaks. This causes the creeper to plow through the truck windshields the truck flips over and then it catches on fire. I thought that Izzy died in this crash but when I went back to rewatch the film for Touch Up, you could see him dragging himself out of the truck and dragging himself away before the explosion happens from this oh, accident. Okay, okay. So I kind of wonder, did he make it or? Who knows? Maybe if they actually do a sequel right one day for. <laughs> so we'll get into that. Out. So Izzy might have survived, but Double D is at this time the only clear survivor. He's obviously very injured. The Creeper is also still alive, and he is also very injured. He's got a leg missing and a wing. Oh, but that don't stop him, though. Don't stop him. He catches a sniff of Double D, which is the one that he licked the glass on earlier, and he starts flying and leaping towards him. By the time the Creeper can get to Double D, Jack Sr. shows up with Jackie and Minxie. And Jack Sr. shoots the creeper through the head with his makeshift harpoon, but the creeper is still alive. Jack Sr. then stabs the creeper multiple times. I think he stabs him 35 times. But suddenly, the creeper's hibernation time comes up, and he goes into hibernation. He's severely injured, but he's not dead. And as he's going into hibernation, these, I think, are practical effects, and it looks really good. But the remember how we were talking earlier in the first film with the the 
the thing you, on his head. Yeah, the the head wings or whatever yeah. it is. They form like a cocoon over his head, and it's it's really bizarre looking, but it's it's really well done scene. And then there's an ending scene that I thought was just really well done, and it had so much potential, so it much did. potential really for another, the next movie. This ending scene, there's a group of teens that are driving down to Talbert Farm, which it's in is... The, it's in the future. Yes, it's, it's in, in the future, future after this happens. Um, a group of teens are driving down to the Talbert Farm, which is Jack Sr.'s farm, to see the infamous Bat Out of Hell display. Um, the teens come up, and they're kind of... They approach Jackie, who's all grown up now, and they're like, is this for real? And Jackie's like, don't care if you believe it or not. You, It is real. And so they end up going in. They find the creeper on display in there, and he is basically skeletal, but you can tell that it's the creeper, though. Like, his wings are off, and they're hung up uh, above him. He's he's nailed somehow up to the, to the barn wall, but he's there. His face is still in the cocoon. His hair has grown out, and one of the teens is getting ready to touch him, and then all of a sudden you hear Jack Senior say, we don't touch it, and he has aged. 23 years. Yeah, 23 <laughs> years. And then he's holding his, the uh, post puncher, the makeshift harpoon that he made all those years ago. He's holding it. He's got an old senior dog beside him. And he's just sitting in his chair facing the creeper. And one of the teens goes, are you waiting for something? And then Jack Senior goes, about three more days, give or take a day or two. And then the camera pans out and just, slowly zooms into the creeper's cocooned face and then the movie ends so it it ends it was such a good setup for the next movie in the franchise see i I think it would have been better if the next movie was a prequel but not the prequel that we got you know what i mean that prequel was shit like i like it's better so we've established in these first two movies what he what he can do and all this stuff and i think it's better to leave that ending up to interpretation did he come out of his hibernation or did he not what fans really want to know what is the creeper why is yep. he the way he is Mm-hmm. Those are the questions that most people care about, not whether he comes out of that hibernation. Now, granted, yeah. I would like to see it, but I think that one's better left up to interpretation. Kind of mm-hmm. like the ending to Freddy versus Jason. Who won? What right. really happened? Don't know. Yeah. It's better to leave whatever you want. I want I want to know, why is the creeper the way he is? I want to know specifically, was oh, he human? We all, we all felt that way. especially. I mean, I felt that way from the end of the first film, but by this the end of the second film, we all were wanting to know. I will say that this is how you do a sequel. Like this, this one is, was actually pretty good. It's a good sequel. Okay. So Gina Phillips turned down a cameo to be in this movie. Who, I'm who, not really sure why. Who is that? She played Trish in the first movie, oh. but she turned it down. Justin Long did accept, however, which we mentioned his his brief scenes did, earlier did, in the movie. Did she mention why? Um, I couldn't really figure out why. Hmm. No. Um, the original plot included Trish and Dizelle coming to hunt down the Creeper with the school bus subplot. However, Sava got rid of the original plot and made the school bus into the main plot because he was getting into that story more. Maybe she had hard feelings from that. Maybe. And then maybe that's Perhaps. not. Maybe that's why she didn't. I don't know. Don't know that for a fact. That's just a guess. Maybe they. Maybe the one that played Giselle and Trish just wanted to do different things because they both didn't come back for this. Yeah, so neither one They just did. wanted to move on, you know. Yeah. 
There's a deleted scene in this movie when the students abandon the bus. Some of the students stumble upon an abandoned military bunker that resembles the original church interior from the first film. And while they're there, they walk in on the creeper in the middle of eating one of their classmates. But ultimately, this scene was not in this movie. Did they say why? Mm, maybe budget. I don't know. I even heard that the set was built and everything. And I don't know. Maybe it had to do with runtime. It could have been, been runtime. Could have been. Probably, probably. If it was a money issue, they wouldn't have filmed it at all. Well, I don't know. Like, usually everything boils down to money. So maybe they just didn't have. I mean, they already filmed it. They, they didn't film the... it. They got the scene ready. I thought you said, oh, okay. I thought it was a, you said deleted scene, which means they filmed it, but they didn't use it. They didn't use it. They would plan for this scene. I'm saying, did, not, did they film it? I think, I don't think it was filmed yet. I think oh, okay. that there were plans to film it, okay. but they didn't, they didn't get around to it. I think that they had the, the props ready for it and the setting built for it, but it wasn't shot. That's so weird. I'm pretty sure. Hmm. It's considered a deleted scene though. Jeepers Creepers isn't played at all in this movie, nor is the truck in this movie at all. But I, I don't know if you ever realized that or not. Oh, I did. I didn't notice that. I just, yeah. I don't, I don't know why. Um, the Creeper also does not kill any cheerleaders on screen. It was written this way, once again, against that stigma that females are always, usually always the main victims in horror and slasher films. So, some people who really, you know, obviously, I can understand why people don't like Salva. I, I can I know I yeah. like I understand, but some people kind of now. I saw one video on YouTube where like everything that they critiqued about the movies was just sexualized in some kind of way, like perverted because of Salva. And one of the things that this person said was, of course, the creeper would only kill young male people and all this stuff. And once again, I don't really. That was kind of really looking deep into it. Listen. Fuck that motherfucker. He's a horrible human being. Yeah. We like his creation. I don't like that guy. Right. Leave that guy in the past. He's not worth, he's not worth it anymore. Yeah. So, but according to Salva, it's that, you know, when he wouldn't admit that anyway, but it's because the stigma against females Mm -hmm. always being the ones who are the victims in horror films. The exception for a female victim is Betty the bus driver, but this is because Salva wanted to focus on Dean's survival. So in order to do that, he'd have to kill off all the adults on that bus. So, that's really the only exception. Another really cool thing about Jeepers Creepers 2 that I didn't realize, but is that Salva wrote his characters to represent stereotypes. The bully. I definitely see that one. That one's wide open. That one's Scotty is supposed to represent racism. And we can see this because he's always after Double D. Always got beef with Double D. And then he even makes color, sorry, uh, comments about, in an argument about skin color. Mm. I, I, I do like that scene. Uh, even though I hate him, I do like that scene where he's actually going to throw, what you say, his name was Double D? Yeah. Double D out of the bus because the creeper lipped, licked his lips. He's like, you're marked. You need to get out. And Double mm-hmm. D makes a very good point and said, uh, you didn't think I didn't see him looking at you too. That means you have to get off too. Yeah, exactly. And he, and he, he wouldn't say anything. Double D doesn't take the shit, I gotta say. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Izzy represents homosexuality. And there's a, there's a scene earlier in the movie where... One of the other classmates is kind of t- approaching Izzy about it and letting him know that people, what they make fun of behind his back, they call him Izzy or isn't he because of a scar that Izzy has on the side of his, it's on the, I think, left side of his eye. And 
the the talk about it is that he obtained that scar by getting in a fight with someone at a gay bar. And people start to call him Izzy or Izzy behind his back. Mm-hmm. Rhonda uh, represents a Latina, pretty sure. And, you know, looking back on it now, like, I don't know. She seemed white, but. where Where's the slut stereotype in this movie? I don't know. That, that's a stereotype. You can't sit there and tell yeah, me oh, that, it it, it, that is. it isn't. It definitely is, but maybe he didn't throw I don't know. Maybe he didn't want to use that one. Jake represents homophobia, which mm-hmm. Jake is the one who's who's asking that scene I was just talking about, who's at, telling Izzy about what people say about him. He represents homophobia. Double D and Chelsea are African-American. If you notice, both of them actually make it towards the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then Bucky represents the bullied kid, which that one I think is pretty obvious. Yeah, a little bit. Overall, I thought this movie was scary, but I just thought it was less ter- terrifying than the first film. And some of the reasons why I think that, the Creeper makes more manly sounds in this movie. Like, he makes more grunts, groans, and yells. Like, in particular, too, the scene where he is um, leaping after Double D after the truck crash, he's he's yelling out like a man would. It, it just, he sounds more human in yeah, this movie. Yeah, but I like that, though, because, yeah, I, I, is it weird to say that I want him to be human? Like, no, once weird. was human. Mm-hmm. He also said earlier, but the, the whites of his eyes stand out more, I think, giving him more of a human appearance. Well, I mean, even if he was a demon that came to Earth, there's nothing that says demons don't feel pain. Anyway, That's true. Like they're, 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 he can feel pain, and I'm sure they make grunts and groans, too. But if you notice, like, remember in the first movie when he is looking down Derry and Trish on the road when they're doing that little chase thing? They're trying to run him over. When he breathes, you can hear him make like a monstrous type of growl. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you know what I'm talking about? It sounds almost like a he lion might have been out of breath. Hmm. He might have been out of breath. It could have been. I don't know. But this movie, he just, he flat out doesn't make any kind of, except for the end when he actually opens his head wings again, he makes that growl, but it doesn't sound like the first film. It sounds different. Uh, but the, other than that, he sounds like a man at any other point in this movie, hmm. my opinion. Like I said earlier, there's a lot more CGI in this movie. And I have a question. How long was he in the makeup chair for all that makeup in those movies? I don't have a number for you, but you know it had to have been hours. And there are actually other stuntmen, like I think two or three other ones, who were dressed up as the Creeper too, for probably during the scenes where Jack Sr. is trying to shoot him down at the school bus. So... There was stunt people who were dressed up as the creeper too. Get a number on that because it's it's curious to see for certain things how long are people are in the the makeup chair for sometimes. Oh yeah, no doubt hours. Yeah, for the, much, Grin- the first time they did the Grinch makeup, it, it was like eighteen. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think he was in the chair for eighteen hours, but hours. But the other thing I mentioned, the CGI is just used more in this film and. Anybody who knows me knows that I really don't like CGI. We're, Even when it's well done. We are practical people. We are practical people. We are practical effect people. And that's partly where our love from the 80s just comes into place. I, I would rather, like, Trauma Entertainment. Th- that is nothing but B-budget horror films. But I love them, though. And their effects are so obviously fake. So fake. But I can admire it more, appreciate it more, because someone really took the time to make a practical effect for a scene versus just get it all computerized and digitalized for a well, scene. And it still looks fake either way. I think if both are done right, they can have amazing things. For example, the remake of Lion King, the live action one, is CGI. That CGI is beautiful. It, I mean, well it truly done. is. It's beautiful. 
and Jurassic Park CGI. It's beautiful and it still stands the test of time. If things are done right, it can be amazing. Same thing with practical. If it's done wrong, it might not look good. If it's done right, it can be amazing. You know, yeah. trauma. I'm trying to think of a really good uh, practical effect for an example. Off the top of my head. Uh, ooh, the, the basilisk in Chamber of Secrets in Harry Potter. That's mm-hmm. practical. Yeah. Uh, specifically the scene where it's opening in its mouth. About to get Harry. That's not CGI. That's actually they actually made its head to do that, and it looks really good. I just prefer practical effects, and there's a couple of scenes in the first film that were clearly CGI, but it didn't really bother me that much. But this one has a lot more of it in there, and maybe that's what took some of it away from me. Like I still enjoyed the film, but maybe maybe that's what some of it is for me. Here's one that I did not bring up to you yet, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it. Okay. Another reason why I think this one is less scary, and I know that you can make an argument either way for it. I'll make an argument for anything. <laughs> oh, trust me. I know you will. <laughs> this one attacks a group versus the first film is essentially like one-on-one with the creeper. And to uh, me... I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that. Uh, and, you know... Derry and Trish are, as a couple, I understand that. Like brother and sister. But... No, actually, I was going to use that. Oh, well, no, I was going to use that. To I me, think, this makes it less scary because you think about it. Either way, it's horrifying. But would you rather, would it be more scary to you fighting the creeper with just me and you? Or would it be scarier if we, it was me, you, and a whole bunch of other people? Which one would be more scary to you? You can make an argument for both. You really could. Yeah, I know. They're, and the reason I say they're not different is because Derry and them weren't alone. The entire movie, they had a lot of help running from the creeper. The the differences between the movie, I think, is Derry and Trish ran from the creeper the whole movie and had people protecting them, specifically the cops. He took on an entire police department mm-hmm. that, that didn't deter him. And once everybody was gone, he took them one-on-one. That was his whole goal. This movie is different. They're not running from him. They're stationary on a bus with nowhere to go. And that is there's nowhere to run. And the fact that they know he's coming and it's just a matter of time, it's different. I think I think the fear is different there, in in my opinion. Can you imagine being trapped on a bus with your closest friends, knowing that it's coming for a specific few of you, but you don't know who. And there's nowhere to run. I mean, you can sit on the bus, but he's already proven he can get into the bus. But you can't run because he can fly. And they know that, too. It's it's intimate. You're screwed. I mean, you feel you're screwed, but I don't know for me, like just when you, when I think about what happens in the first film, it's like over and over and over again, something new comes up with them trying to get away and get help. And to me, they have to fight harder to get away from it. And yeah, at least they're actually running away from it. But I think to me, like that's, that's just scarier to me because Mm -hmm. I put, again, I put myself in this situation, both situations, I'd be absolutely scared to death. But it would just be more defeating to me if I was on my own, you know, or had, you know, somebody else with me. And then I'm trying to get away from it and get help. And each and every time that I finally get, find someone who can help, I'm just, it's taken right away. And slam, you know, a new obstacle slams in my face and a new horror happens that I have to try to escape from. I, I just think two is creepier to me. Just being stuck and knowing there's nothing you can do about it. 
that's creepier to me. Like at least Trish and them had options. They they gave it everything. Granted, it didn't work, but they had options. These guys didn't have anything. Just sitting there waiting. Yeah. That, that's that's creepier to me. You know. I think a lot of people who are fans of Jeepers Creepers franchise, a lot of people like the second one. I think uh, I'm, I'm I'm on that second one bandwagon. I think yeah. I am. Uh, some people really do like the second one better than the first. I'm not one of those people, but I still really you respect might be a and I like the though. second. I might be a, a little, little biased. Not, I don't mean that in a bad way. But y'all, we have not even touched yet the last two of the film. I mean, I'm uh, we'll breeze through those. I mean, now granted, you have seen those movies. I have not seen these movies. I I know nothing. Yep. Of these movies, all I've heard, I do remember when the creeper, when Jeepers Creepers three trailer did come out, because a lot of my friends were Jeepers Creepers fans, and we're like, oh my god, the third movie we waited so long we waited so long and i remember everybody going to see it and they were disappointed oh yeah i was one of those people but we will get into jeepers creepers 3 after we come back from our local business shout out break we will be back momentarily Take a walk the do you enjoy supporting local businesses i know i do well i do too and hopefully your answer was yes as well if so, we have a few local businesses we'd like to bring to your attention. Is it product plug time? Yeah, product plug. Product plug. Our first local business shout out is Grace Upon Grace Creations. I have shouted them out a couple times before, and I will do it again and again and again because they are awesome. They're basically like a online boutique, but they also make their own stuff as well. They make things like car freshies, tumblers, all kinds of stuff. whole bunch of home goodies. Yeah, sorry. I was trying to think about all their products in my head. Home goodies. And all the cute ones. But they have all kinds of cute stuff. They do earrings. And then recently, they're kind of highlighting on their new clothing that's out. They have a lot of cute tees with sayings on them. Just lifestyle sayings. They're just cute and funny. Uh, They actually, I saw slippers. So you're telling me I can wear a nice shirt and get a coffee scented for my car absolutely and if you want to get a pair of slippers they can hook you up too what if i need a a discount for that well i'm so glad you asked because if you give them a checkout on facebook which i will post their link in our description if you message them your order and use the code word weird side you can get 15 one five percent off your total order well, that's a bargain. That is a bargain. So you can feel good about splurging on yourself because not only are you supporting a local business, but you can also get 15% off too. So Treat yourself. Check them out. Express Grace upon yourself. Grace. Our next business we'll be giving a shout out to is our our favorite in town, Sugar and Flour. Sugar and Flour is a local coffee shop downtown Parisburg, and she makes the most delicious cold brews smoothies, fraps, food is amazing. She makes a lot of pastries, cookies. I'll say it once and I'll say it again. The salted caramel deluxe. Ugh. I personally to die for. Oh, I know. They, they me and Taylor just walk in and they know they just know what Taylor gets. I like the caramel frap, but I will switch my order up from time to time. But really cute shop, really delicious shop, and one of the things I also really love about Sugar and Flour is that they're in her Sam also promotes other local businesses too she's always looking out for them as well so if you feel like treating yourself after you get your you want to show off your new tumbler from grace upon grace hey hey you've worked hard treat yourself yeah stop it sugar and flour treat yourself yourself. (laughs) stop it 
Treat yourself. Come into Sugar and Flower and get you a nice goodie. Nice tell treat. Them, tell them Hannah and Taylor sent you. Yep. We're from Weird Side Podcast. She'll know. The other one is a new one we wanted to give a shout out to. Y'all, I don't know if you tried it yet, but there's this new shop. Right, I don't want to call it a restaurant, but technically wouldn't That's it? That's it's a shop. It's a shop. It's called Twist and Shake. And it's where the old Ben and Jerry's used to be. Me and Taylor went and we got each got a pretzel. Mm. Oh my gosh. Mm. That was These are some big pretzels. These are huge. That is one good pretzel. And and they're not paying us to say that. We just ate there and went, okay, we're talking about this. Oh, yeah. We're I letting just, people know about these people. Oh yeah. I didn't even say anything. I just asked her, I'm like, Are you guys a local business? And she goes, Yes, we are. And I'm like, Great, because uh I'm giving y'all a shout out because these pretzels are uh, I didn't tell her I was mm-hmm. doing a shout out. Personal recommendation, the Parmesan one that you That's had. the one I got, the garlic parmesan. Oh my gosh, that thing was so mm. good. Like we literally had over earlier and i'm still full but my mouth is kind of drilling talking about that pretzel. we literally walked into spencer's and you were holding that parmesan pretzel and there was somebody's like that smells so good i want one yeah, I, was no. like, I know yeah it was delicious taylor got the original one and that was good too was but good. they yes now we haven't tried they have ice cream and milkshakes as well and we haven't tried those out yet but me and taylor love soft pretzels so we wanted to try that out it's worth it in my opinion, if you go there and you're looking for a good pre- good homemade type of tasting pretzel, check out Twist and Shake in the Christiansburg Mall. Mm-hmm. And none of these people pay us to say any of this. We just want to do it. Yeah, <laughs> we just no like these places. We got to say it. these things. We're not a sponsored podcast, but we just really like these businesses and we just want to spread the good word out. Mm-hmm. So check them out, guys. I will post links to all of them in our episode description. Mm-hmm. Without further ado, we'll go ahead and get back to our show. Take a walk on the weird side. Welcome back, weirdos. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're going to be talking about the two worst films in the franchise. Possibly of all time. (laughs) Okay, maybe not that bad. Oh. Maybe we get to the fourth one. I've never seen them. So, just jumping right back in. um, We talked about, uh, before break, talked about Jeepers Creepers 2, which was made in 2004. Us fans... We're dying for another sequel after the second film. And we were, because like I said, I think it ended on a really good setup for the next movie. Have you ever noticed that the sequels that we want, we have to wait a long time for? And the sequels that we don't want come out like literally a year later? Oh, yeah. And I've also noticed the sequels that we really, really want end up being really, really awful. (laughs) Such as the case of this one. Jeepers Creepers 3 came out in 2017. So how many years does that take? 13 years after 13 this, years. Th- we waited 13 years. There was rumor and build up for this movie mm-hmm. by Victor Salva, by everybody who was involved with this film essentially. There's so much build up and we were all massively disappointed. Victor Salva did write and direct this movie as well. Uh, it had a special release date. And I actually did go with it during its one-day one special release. It was September 27th of 2017. Mm-hmm. It only played in select theaters, and it only played for one day. Yeah, I remember that. At, oh, like, one time. I remember everybody at school talking about it. I didn't go uh, because I had not watched Jeepers Creepers up to that point until I met you. Yay. Um, but I remember a lot of people talking about it, and there was so much hype, and I remember everybody coming back. So much hype. Coming back from seeing that movie, and they're like, Pure that pissed. movie was awful. <laughs> it was awful, but the budget for this movie, get ready to laugh, 
6.2 million. Okay. It ended up earning 3.6 to 4 million worldwide. So it I don't think it made any money. It lost you money. Don't, you don't you don't need a big budget to make a good movie. I think Halloween has proven that you the original Halloween, you oh, don't yeah. need it. You don't need that it. That was a low budget movie technically, no, but it was amazing. But the problem is if, if you don't have a good budget. You have to have a good story, good characters, and good writing. And I feel like I, I've never seen this movie from what I've heard. The writing. It didn't have any there. of these. Yeah, the characters aren't there. Like, it, you're right. None of it. Didn't have none of it. Filming locations were Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So we had one that was made of, the original was in Florida. Then the second one was in California. And then now we're jumping to Louisiana. Are you just on Louisiana? No, actually, I'd love to go to Louisiana someday. And that's primarily because of Princess and the Frog. But anyway, body count in this movie is 11. And IMDb rating, 3.9 out of 10. Eesh. It's not good. This is the first film that is not distributed by MGM. Instead, Scream Media Films is the one who distributed it. I've never heard of them. The premiere was scheduled at a theater in Los Angeles with most of the cast from the previous films as guests. They were plans to show this First, the first film on the big screen, and then followed by this new film, Jeepers Creepers 3. And tickets were sold out. But the premiere was ultimately canceled once Salva's charges came to the surface. This is around the time that people started to come out about his charges. They started to come into the open. And there were actually protests, you know, on this premiere. It got canceled. It didn't happen. Opening into the film... Police officers discovered the creeper truck with bodies present in it. They approached the truck and ended up getting massacred from booby traps in the truck. Now, we have never seen this. In any, well, the second film didn't have the truck in it, period. In the first film, there you was never no... never saw anybody go in the truck in the first film. So. No, but you get a glance inside of it, and yeah, it has, like, weapons and things like that, but no booby traps or nothing like that. What kind of booby traps are you talking about? Just things that attack, like spikes that jump out and spears that point out. Things like that. I can't help but go back to the 23-day thing. Why? How did he set all this up when he's Man, got so little time? I don't know. Um. Anyway, Sergeant Tubbs comes back in this movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is, that's probably the one cool thing about this movie, I'll say, that I actually didn't mind and that I enjoyed. He gets to the truck impounded and then follows the tow truck. The creeper finds him in a Dutch Frank, which is the name of the guy who's riding with him. And I can't help but to wonder, is this maybe a reference to this cop scene in the first film? They're riding together? Could I don't be. know. Could be, but uh, it's not as good. <laughs> um, the next several scenes occur in different settings with different characters. So, in other words, we're jumping around to a whole bunch of different stuff. The next scene that we see, Gaylene, a.k.a. Meg Ryan's character, gets visions of her dead son. Her son is a high, is high school age, representing that his death occurred some time ago. And he gives her a warning that the creeper is coming for her and her grandchild. Once again, it's like he's he's becoming dairy or something like that, but just not even you can tell us what they're trying to do or maybe trying to reference, but it's just like no, just no. Next scene, the sheriff that we that jumps to the sheriff is tries to get the together old victims of the creeper to form a kind of group to take the creeper down. Sergeant Tubbs is included in this group. Then in the next scene, a group of teenagers are riding dirt bikes. When they stumble across the creeper's truck, the creeper truck attacks all of them by ejecting spears. The creeper is nowhere to be seen. All these deaths that occur in this scene are all just from the truck. The truck kills them. It's like it has a mind of its own. Very, very odd. When the creeper comes back, uh, 
I think he finishes killing everybody off except for one teen, and he, which he abducts him. This scene represents to me like that it introduces the idea that the creeper truck is, is supernatural. Like what? We haven't seen this at all. At all. You know, what I'm, you know what vibes I'm getting from this? What? They didn't have the budget or they didn't want to put forth the time for the creeper to kill everybody and make scenes for it. So they'd have the truck do it. That's the only possible thing I could think of. Because I don't know why in the world they do all Do you see these deaths? Like actually see them where they happen off screen? They occur on screen. On screen? Yeah. Are like, they good? No. I mean, I was going to go back and rewatch the third film to prepare better for this podcast Aww, episode. You don't want to torture yourself. I didn't because especially when I realized that it wasn't free on Hulu anymore and that I'd have to rent it for a minimum of $3. And it, to me, wasn't even That's worth $3. You could get a pack of gum for that. Yeah. I'm going to get me a frat from McDonald's for that. I'm sure there's going to be people out there like, no, you don't understand. This movie's great. I'm not going to say that because I've never seen it. So I'm not going to really bash it. For something I haven't seen, I'm just going to take your word for it. But from what I'm listening to, it doesn't, it sounds kind of lazy. It's, yeah, lazy is a very good, that's exactly how I felt too. In the next scene, we see Addison, which is Gaylene's granddaughter. She goes down to a local store to get some feed for her horse. While there, there's a young boy who works there and clearly has a crush on her. Addison and her grandmother are very poor. She can't afford the feed, but since the boy has an infatuation with her, he makes an arrangement to get her the feed. She joins buddy that's his name in delivering hay to a plantation house and this is the same house near where the teens were dirt biking at and while there the creeper abducts addison the next scene gaylene digs up one of the creeper's old hands and touches it like what this was just out of nowhere to me so all of a sudden she just goes to this spot in the ground and knows that a creeper's body part is buried there and then she digs it up randomly all of a sudden her eyes roll in the back of her head, implying that she's having some kind of vision. Once again, I feel like this is mimicking Minxie from the second film and Giselle from the first film a little bit. You know, this is the third time now we've seen some kind of psychic connection with the creeper. Mm -hmm. After this, the sheriff and some members of the group come to Gaylene's house, where she tells him about her encounter. The sheriff then touches the hand and he sees himself, whatever it was that Gaylene saw. And then this to me, like, for a minute, you think that Gaylene, maybe she's like the psychic of the film now. Because there's usually, what we've seen so yeah, far. Yeah, we've seen some. One in each film. But the fact that the sheriff can touch it and see the same thing, well, he's not psychic either. It's just that body part. Yeah, so that kind of introduces that whole concept. Um, they realize that the creeper is ancient. Gaylene screams at one point, I think it's around the scene, she goes, I know what you are. Yet, we the audience don't get to see any of what she sees it literally just shows her being lifted in the air she grabs the hand and is lifted up into the air and that her eyes are rolling in the back of her head but we don't see what she's seeing we don't see her point of view we just see her being lifted with her eyes rolling up like what what this when we're already have been hyped up we were told that in this movie we were going to figure out what the creeper was. That's why we were all, not all of us. Some people actually like this film. Some people don't mind it. You know, that's their own opinion. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Everyone can have their own opinion. But no. I, that pissed me off so bad. Like, why are you going to sit here and hype us up and lie straight up to our faces? Lies. Just a straight up lying. That's like me saying, Taylor, we're going to go to Dairy Queen tonight. And then... <gasps> And then tonight happens, and we don't end up going at all. And you're like, you know, you'd be I'd like. I'd be disappointed. Yeah, you'd be like, what the? I thought we were It's Dairy Queen. Yeah. So, 
In the next scene, Addison wakes up next to Kirk, which is the name of the teenager that the creeper abducted from the dirt bike scene. They wake up in the back of the truck. Kirk accidentally impales himself with a pipe in the back of the truck and dies. Because remember how it's, the truck is now all of a sudden booby-trapped. Yep. While driving, the sheriff and Sergeant Tubbs chase the creeper truck again, attempting to shoot it, but the bullets ricochet off of it. Doesn't mm-hmm. do a thing. The creeper truck expels some kind of explosive, causing the sheriff and, T- and Sergeant Tubbs to crash into a field. The creeper comes to kill them. They shoot at the creeper, but it has no effect at all. Later, the creeper goes to kill Addison, but she releases some kind of button or switch to release another pole on the back of the truck, and it impales the creeper through the eye yet again. A truck zooms by and runs over the creeper, and Addison escapes. When the truck driver approaches the creeper after he's run the creeper down, the creeper goes and kills kills the man, and he eats whatever body part to restore his injury. Meanwhile, Addison is found by Galene and Buddy. So that's her grandma and the boy who is her friend who also has a crush on her, or it implies that he has a crush on her, cares about her. Once again, this is mimicking, we've seen this scene already before in the second film, and here we are seeing it again. Except this time, it's just done so much shittier than the second one, in my opinion. The creeper goes to Gaylene's house, where he is confronted with a sign that says, We know what you are above where his old hand is. And the creeper is upset by this. He does some kind of growl. My thing is, so can he read? Or was it the hand that he... You can make the argument that... I mean, he he understands human speech. He's pretty smart. He understands things. I, you can make the argument he could read. Yeah, so... Either way, gets pretty pissed off. And then in the next scene, which is the towards the end of the movie, Addison says goodbye to Buddy as he goes onto a school bus. The bus number is 226. What school bus is that? Is that the same one from the second one? It's the same school bus in the second film. So it implies that he is a student on that bus, and then the events from the second film are happening. So this is a movie... It's technically, like, it's a sequel, but it's supposed to be a prequel to the second film. So, the, this film is supposed to occur after the events, after the first, the first film, before but before the, the second. second one. So, the final ending scene shows Trish, like, at the very, very end. There's a scene where Trish is typing a letter on the computer, seeking help from people to gather and defeat the creeper in honor of Derry. The movie just ends. And to me, like, I thought that was badass. Like, that was probably the best part of the whole freaking movie is seeing Trish working on that letter. And, like, you know, it us getting teased that she has some kind of, like, we're going to get, you know, her in the next film. Even though this film was already oh, just pure shit, it was cool seeing Trish trying to seek revenge, like, in the works of getting revenge. But didn't, didn't the sheriff already try to do that earlier in this film? That's what he tried to do. And it didn't work out. And I'm not saying, like, I have faith in Trish. Listen, they took your money. That's all they Dude, did. Oh. <laughs> that's all they did was take your money. Oh, my gosh. Like, And and, then, and that's it. That's the whole movie, essentially, in a nutshell. Did that not sound like the most boring thing? It just sounds like a money grab to me. Oh, it totally was. They took advantage of the fans that they knew that they could get money off of. And so, they just took advantage of it. Oh, yeah. They totally did. And it, like, lied straight up to the fans. Just some uh, extra info. The song is not played in this movie at all. So, we see the truck, but not the song. And the med- medieval axes uh, back as well. Hmm. I can't remember what scene it is. Once again, wasn't willing to pay the $3 to go back and rewatch this movie. Y'all, what I'm saying, I saw this movie in 2017 in the theaters when it came out. And then I watched it again maybe one time after that. Probably like a month or two later. And, and then I haven't watched it, it again. <laughs> Have not watched it again. 
Some of the creeper noises in this movie are a mixture between dog barks and cat roars. So, it's got, uh, yet again... How did we go from hyenas to dogs and cats? That's what I'm saying. Yet again, we've got a different kind of sound from the creeper. Uh, This is the only film in the franchise at this point where the creeper does not kill a female character on screen. So... Hmm. Like, we had mentioned earlier that he, we really don't see the creeper kill any female in the movies either, but it can be in plot, except the female cop in the first movie, the Catwoman in the second, I mean, in the first one as well. And then the second film, I don't think we see any females die on screen in the second film, but on it's, screen? but no. it's implied. It's implied. This one, straight up, there's no, there's no female. Who's, yeah. yeah, nobody, no female dies in this movie that we see. So, okay, this is where it starts to get, this is another area that starts to piss me off. Salva states that in this film, like by this film when it comes out, he states that the creeper is a demon consciousness in physical form. This is confusing because he stated during an interview shooting during Jeepers Creepers 2 that he did not think the creeper was demonic. So if he's not demonic, how can he have a, quote, demon consciousness in physical form? That literally contradicts itself. Another thing I didn't mention either, I think I kind of just got sidetracked, but Salva actually talks a little bit more about what the Creeper might be and like bonus material features in this from the second film. But he does say in one of the interviews that he thinks the Creeper was once human. He did say that he did not think the Creeper was a demon. Like I assumed the Creeper was a demon, but he stated that he did not think the Creeper was a demon because the de- being a demon would require some kind of religious aspect of it, and he didn't think that was tied into the Creeper. But then you can see here that he's just contradicting himself. Yeah. Like, I don't get it. So, so do, we, do we have to take what he said as, as fact and that it is demonic since it's coming straight from the director? I mean, here's the thing. Like, he created the Creeper, so obviously you would think someone who created something would know what it is. But, yeah, I mean, I just feel like that's kind of confusing. Salva stated that he did not want to tell us. <laughs> he did not want to tell us whether the Creeper can or will die. He did confirm to fans that the Creeper can be defeated. Once again, this is confusing because in the second film, Minxie states over and over again that you can't kill him. That he'll never die. Remember, she was saying, like, trying to tell Jack Sr., like, this will never be over. 23 years from now and 23 years from then. You can't kill it. She says that over and over again. And now, all of a sudden... But then it kind of left it up to interpretation when the second one ended because you don't know if he came back or not. And that's true. That's true. But, I mean, I took... I personally... I believe what she said. And I believe that. And then, all of a sudden, you're saying that he can be defeated why did you write that dialogue then if he can be defeated and you but you also won't confirm whether he can or will die like what this is the most hilarious one according to salva this film was supposed supposed to be the scariest in the franchise (laughs) laziest is more like it (laughs) oh how wrong that is overall this movie jumped around all over the place you can still understand what's going on, but it just does not hold a strong plot at all. This is my opinion. This is the first of the Creeper films where most of the time he openly attacks in broad daylight. Most of the events in this film, if not all of them, occur during the daytime. Hmm. How, and this is the other, I mentioned it earlier, how is the Creeper truck supernatural? What is the purpose of this? Because it just does not make any sense to me. And we would not have suspected that or thought that in the first film. 
Like that, I do not understand where they were going with from that. Maybe they were just trying to be tricksty tricksters and just kind of throw the fans off. I'm not really sure. Right. Any Creeper fans who have made it this far and are hearing that, please, please share some feedback. Are, are we giving it the official Weird Side podcast thumbs down? Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Yeah, I think that, yes, the official Weird Side thumbs down. Another thing, the Creeper wears a bright red shirt throughout this movie with his costume. And to me, it just does not seem right. Like, wouldn't he wear all dark colors? And I know he wore a red shirt in the first film as well, but it was dark and it blended well. This, to me... Is it because the first movie was in the... the in the dark, mostly. Even, it, was, it was nighttime for a good part of it, and then yeah, this movie but, was just straight daytime. But even in the in the opening scenes from the first film, in daylight, when we get those shots of him standing at the church watching them pass, he's wearing the red shirt, but you can't look at it and be like, oh, that's a red shirt. This one, you, it stands out so much, and I, I just feel like it doesn't, it does not go. It doesn't go. That's fair. His teeth look older. They do not look, okay, so I know that sounds funny, but they are not shiny or sharp as they were from the first two films. Why and not? they actually are kind of yellow looking. Like they're not, it's like normal teeth? Yeah, kind of like normal sharpened teeth. Oh, that's just lazy. <laughs> I mean, that was. Imagine my, if they didn't They didn't put uh, vampire fangs on a vampire. They're just like, yep, it's a vampire, but I don't see no fangs. <laughs> my opinion, but uh, the teeth are lazy. just not, I mean, they're obviously sharp and. You don't want to get bitten by it, but when you compare it to the first two films, like you said, lazy. lazy. Why do we not see the visions? This is completely opposite of what Salva said would happen in this film. He told us that we would find out in this movie what the creeper was. That's why we were all so hyped. <laughs> that's why it's a money trap. They promised you something and you didn't get it. Right. And that's exactly what happened in this film. Not only was the film trash, but we were that was what we were most hyped up for was finding out finally, but it never happened. Just oh I'm sorry. Out. I'm sorry. So I'm wondering too, another thing, besides this just my opinion being a very lazy, poorly written film. Do you think the overall rating has to do with the time gap between this film and the last film? No, no, it doesn't. You know why? Why? Because you can have time gaps in things and it still be good. The best example I would have is the Unbreakable movie Split and then Glass. Because Unbreakable was early 2000s Mm -hmm. and then they didn't make a sequel. They didn't, I mean, you didn't know that Split was in the same timeline as Unbreakable until the very end. And then Glass, which is bringing both of those movies together, comes out and it was amazing around the same time. Like, it was like quite a few years. You can do it if enough time, money, and effort and care is put into the movie. And they obviously didn't have the money. They obviously, they didn't care. They had time. Plenty of it, but they didn't care. I love you. <laughs> I mean, I mean, straight up, like you can do, you can, you can do. I mean, we're getting sequels now that wouldn't normally you wouldn't have thought got sequels. Yeah. Now and there, some of them are good. Yeah. And some of them aren't. This, this is and this one that, and this is this is bad. Yeah. So that's that's essentially Jeepers Creepers three. It has the official weird side thumbs down. If you thought that film was bad, oh boy. You should see Jeepers Creepers Reborn. You take back everything you said about the third one now? <laughs> no, because it still does apply. Yeah. 
This is also the fourth. This is the fourth and most recent film in the franchise. Mm-hmm. Jeepers Creepers Reborn came out in 2022. I'm probably gonna butcher the name, but the director for this film was Timo Vuron Sola. That was a good try. Yeah, I, I did try. I apologize. For you did better than I would have. I think it's Finnish. I think hmm. he's from. I think he might be from Finland. This movie also had a special release date. So just like Jeepers Creepers 3, it was at select theaters on like one day and on one time. And I remember I, I got tickets for me, you, and sorry, me, my mom, and your mom to go because you had yep. to work and couldn't I had to go. Work. And, I, and I specifically told, I remember the conversation we had uh, when we were driving in the car and you're like, Taylor, I know it's going to be bad. I'm like, yeah, you like, you like the third one was so bad. Like, I just got a feeling. I was like, I know that. But don't go into a movie expecting it to be bad. I love you so go much. You try to encourage a, me. But don't don't go in expecting it to be good. I said, go in with a neutral stance on anything you do. That's what I do no matter what the movie is. I go in with a neutral stance. And I tried. I really did try. This date that it came out was September 19th, 2022. And Taylor's right. Now, it's kind of coming back to me now. But I had seen the trailer for Draper's Creepers Reborn. And then I'd heard some of the details about filming and production. And I just, I was like, oh, this is probably not going to be good. The budget for this film was around around $5 million. Okay. And it earned $5.9 million. Hey, we got some profit this time. Yeah, the third one, it seems like the third one didn't get any profit. This they one at least got They did something. negative. They, they spent more than they made. Yeah. This one at least he made, he either evened out just right or made a little bit of a profit. He made about $900,000 more than The filming locations for this film were in Jackson, Florida. No. Dang, why did I not put the state? In, okay, in the United States, Jackson and Louisiana. Why would I not write down the state? I don't know. Anyway, but primarily this film was filmed in the UK and Finland. Really? And again, I'm not a, what's the word for someone who is like racist, but for cultures? What's that word? Oh, I have no idea. I'm not that. And as a matter of fact, I I love learning about different cultures and I love doing different cultural things. I think it's a really cool experience to try out different things that you're not used to. But when I learned that, and I'm just going to say, I might lose, I might get some hate for saying this, but the the main thing I was nervous about was Salva was not involved in this film. Now, looking back on it, I don't really know why I was concerned that it wouldn't be good because he's not involved in it because he was involved in the third one. And it was was garbage. It was awful. Sometimes you do need a new director to bring some light to a series. Right. You really do. Right. But unfortunately, this one did not, <laughs> did not do what a... Did not do any kind of justice at all. Mm. And also, I was really nervous because this was this is the first filmed out of the country. Mm-hmm. I was a little nervous about is that, too. This is also the first movie that doesn't have Jonathan Breck as yes. the creeper. Yes. This is also the first film where Jonathan Breck is not the creeper. And oh, boy, can you tell. Body count in this movie is five. And IMDb rating is 2.5 <laughs> out of 10. <laughs> Tell you remember one, one day before you were getting ready to work because they had Jeepers Creepers Reborn on Hulu. And I think it still is on Hulu. Yeah, and you asked me, you want to watch it? And I was like, hell no. And you I, you, you really were not wanting to watch it. No, you're like, I don't no, want to watch it. You were like, I take your word on it. And I was like, just see if you can make it. Just try 15 minutes of it and see if you can make it. Yeah. Y'all, when I say he can barely make it 15 minutes in. Uh, yeah, I'll give the movie one positive. I got D. Wallace, and I do like D. Wallace. Right. I am a D. Wallace fan. And that's a great way to open up 
going into this movie. The opening scene it shows an older couple and that they're essentially reenacting the Derry and Trish scene from the first film. Mm-hmm. This scene also is supposed to be a mock up the real life case of Dennis DePew. And Depew. the only exciting thing about this scene is like Taylor said, D. Wallace is in it. The man, oh, this is what cracked me up. The main feedback I got when you watched that first 15 minutes, and that was it. The man driving the truck in this opening reenactment scene is clearly a man. No attempt. Yeah, there was no attempt, like, whatsoever. Like, at least in the other one, like, the first one when he was driving the truck, like, it was blurred. You really couldn't see. You saw a humanoid figure, but you couldn't really see facial features. You couldn't see anything about himself. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, what is driving that truck? You really didn't know. This, this one, one is plain as day. Clearly, it's just a dude behind the wheel. Yeah. They make no attempts to make a creeper <laughs> resemblance in this opening scene. It doesn't even whatsoever. have to look like the creeper. You can just blur it out. Don't let me see who's driving it. Oh, yeah. They didn't even do that. So we see that this opening scene is a video on a phone. And then it pan- the camera pans out, and we're in, like, the moment in the film. It's a couple, and they're on their way to the a horror fest, which centers around the urban legend of the creeper. The next scene, Lane, our main female character, gets a phone call from one of her friends asking about their arrival to the festival. Her friend pulls over to pee and is killed by the creeper fresh out of hibernation. Already off the bat, I do not understand why this even... I think maybe this scene was only made... Because it's the scene where the creeper is coming out of hibernation mode. But literally, we're introduced to a character that really, to me, seems like it holds no significant value. And then he's just killed off. Where Where is the senior guy? Where is he at? Louisiana. No, I mean, all- like, we ended the second one on a, a kind of a cliffhanger. Like, is he going to wake up or not? No. You said he just no, came he just, out of hibernation. Yeah, the creeper comes out of hibernation from this old abandoned place. That we've never seen before and kills this guy. So it's just no. There's there no correlation. No like is correlation. there no like I don't understand. There's like, no don't connect any of it because there's so no, it's not connected to the first three at all. No, no, what? it's not. <laughs> um, it, yeah, exactly. So the camera views in the creeper's perspective of coming out of hibernation. Uh, we basically hear heavy breathing and he has blurry vision. We can see this through the camera lens. And another thing, when the friend goes to go pee, he runs, so, he's already in the woods and he runs so far away from his car. Like, why are you running that far away? If it's me and I'm in the woods and I stop to go pee, I'm peeing right next to my car. Like, yeah. why, yeah, why did he too. run so far away? I don't know. Yeah, if it starts raining. <laughs> um, like I said, spoiler alert, we don't come back to this character at all later and he really has no major importance. Except for peeing. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, maybe his only importance was, again, like I said, he's the first victim out of the creeper's hibernation. Lane and her boyfriend, Chase, go close to their arrival. They get close to their arrival, but stop in a shop to get last-minute directions. The shop owner is psychic, but also gives voodoo vibes. And this, again, is another spinoff of Giselle. It's kind of like Giselle was a psychic in the first film, and she ha- she was good. This one, we have another psychic in the film, and she's bad. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So, Lane and Chase arrive at their hotel, finally, which is this old plantation-looking house. Lane takes a pregnancy test, which is positive, and then she tries on different cosplay cosplays for the festival they get ready to go to. Mm-hmm. Side note, one of the cool things about this scene, which, believe me, I mean, it's, if you had to pick something cool from the scene, she does do a um, Jennifer check from Jennifer Bo- Jennifer's Body cosplay. Okay. Yeah. Lane and Chase arrive at the festival where the creeper is lurking nearby. They find an axe-throwing stand where some of the creepers' shurikens are seen. Lane and Chase win a raffle to spend the night in a nearby plantation house that's supposed to mimic an escape room. 
Lane begins to get visions of her being in the center of some ritual. Once again, here's our psychic in this movie. So we had Giselle in the first film, Minxie in the second, the third film, Meg Ryan's character, the grandma, and then now, Lane. She's the psychic. So we got another reference on that. And I feel like the fact that this is a reoccurring theme in all the films, it has to have some kind of major importance. However, that has not been explained to us. We're still waiting. Hell, we're still waiting to figure out what the creeper even is. Lane and Chase arrive at a cemetery, and just when Chase is getting ready to propose to Lane, the creeper kidnaps Lane. When Lane wakes up, she's lying bound to a table. The creeper emerges and pierces her abdomen with his knife, drawing a minor amount of blood. Okay, so in this scene, we can really see the creeper kind of close up. Y'all, he does not look anything like the creeper we know. You showed me a picture. Dude, I'm really not trying to be hateful, but what is that? That I'm not not going to blame the guy that's behind the makeup. Like, I'm not going to blame the guy that's playing the creeper because he's got a really hard task. Yeah. Like, really hard because the guy that did the creeper in the first three movies was amazing. And stepping into such an iconic role for the first time. It's big shoes to fill. It's big shoes to fill. It's not impossible. But if you don't bring something to the table to make your interpretation stand out, it's going to look bad. And I'm guessing it looked bad. Oh, it looked awful. Meanwhile, the rest of the group gets to the plantation house. The creeper hears their arrival, and then he goes to attack them. We see people boarding up the house from the outside, giving the impression that this is planned and this group is meant for some kind of cult sacrifice. Once again, we get no explanation whatsoever, but it, it's you can infer that that's what it is. During some of the chase throughout the house, the creeper puts on his favorite song in the record player. This version has an old vibe, but recorded by a different artist, and this is primarily because of copyright issues. They could they didn't have permission to reuse the the oh, original really? version. That's, that's that's interesting. Yeah, but this sign has kind of like a New Orleans jazz vibe to it, but it still does not make up for the horribleness in this movie. Um, but anyway, uh, eventually Lane frees herself and finds her boyfriend in the house. She tells him that she's pregnant and that she feels targeted by the creeper because of that. And she feels that way because of these visions that she keeps having. She keeps seeing herself in the middle, surrounded by these people dressed up in black robes, indicating that it's a cult. And she hears babies crying in the background, like there's some kind of connection here. Their remaining group tricks the creeper into getting outside the house, where he is impaled with a steeple after being blinded by his shuriken, which is thrown by Lane. Remember earlier I said she approaches the axe stand? Well, she figures out that she has a a skill for throwing axes and shurikens, apparently. A horde of crows... A horde of crows consume the creeper and then fly off. So his full form is gone now. It's like the crows, like, picked up him in little pieces or ate him in little pieces. And then he just, poofed, disappeared. Is the CGI good in that? Horrible. Horrible. These crows also look different compared to the other films. Like, they're... We see him in the second film. I think we see him in the third film. And we definitely see him in the first film. These crows are albino. What? They're albino. They don't even look like the crows in the other films. Why are they albino? Apparently, they're supposed to represent the whole what comes around goes around saying. And they're meant to symbolize the reawakening of the creeper. Don't ask me how. Don't ask me why. But that's apparently apparently why. Okay. And then the very final scene, Lane's looking out the window of a cop car with solid black eyes, and then poof, the film's done. So she's possessed? 
That's what it implies. Now, just from hearing that, which one sounds worse? I don't worse? get it. I, I really uh, don't. Dude, I just, I don't get it. Dude, <laughs> why, it was why did awful. we go to so many different places? Wait, I mean, like, what was even the point of this movie? So, oh, I forgot to even mention, too, I meant to say this earlier. When I went to go see this in the movies, another thing that just confirmed my suspicions that this was going to be horrible, the director of this film spent almost 10 minutes, like, doing, like, an intro, speaking to the audience and saying, we worked so hard on this film. We had so many challenges with COVID. And basically, it was basically him saying, like, I know this movie's awful, but we tried. To me, that's what it sounded like. And I was like, oh, God. I was trying so hard, baby, to remember what you said, which is have a neutral view. Don't have an opinion. But my God, I was like, I freaking knew it. That just sold it for you, didn't it? Oh, that did. And yeah, that's that's essentially the movie. Which one do you think sounds worse, the third or the fourth? I don't know. They both sound like shit. They're both <laughs> awful. Now, when I originally saw this movie, I thought this one was slight, slightly better than the third one. But I don't even know. I'd have to give you an opinion if I sat down and watched both of them, I doubt, which, which I doubt will happen. Do. But if I did ever sit down and watch both of them, then I'll, I'll feel comfortable making an opinion on which one I think I dislike more. Yeah, they're both um, awful. Since I haven't seen it, I won't make that. But I think it's time to give it to the official... Weird side, uh, weird side podcast thumbs, thumbs down. down. Now, remember how I said earlier that some people who are fans of the Creeper films, they like the third one. Some do. Most of us don't, but some do. Reborn, pretty much every single one of us just about hate it. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much universal. So this is said to be one of the worst horror films and one of the worst films ever made. And that says something. Because we've seen some sad. bad movies. We have seen hor- some horrible movies. And the we fact, have seen some bad ones. The fact that this one was brought up, like, that's pretty embarrassing. That's pretty That's pretty bad. The Creeper does not even look like the Creeper we know. His teeth are too bulky. His facial structure is obviously different. Like, his nose is flatter looking. He looks like he's frowning instead of snarling. He's got spiky sides on the face, not the wing flap things. He is clearly... Not Jonathan Breck. And apparently the look of this creeper is inspired largely from the comics. I didn't know if you knew this or not, but Jeepers Creepers, actually, there's some yeah, comics. Yeah, I, I know that. Which I have not read those, and you would think I'd have, but I'm just, I'm kind of scared because. No, don't be, because, I mean, everything has comics. I, I mean, I love Godzilla, and, Go- and Godzilla has comics. And it doesn't ruin Godzilla, right? No, 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 no. Honestly, some of the comics are better. I mean, to I'm be scared to, I just don't want it to ruin Anyway, overall, the film references and pays small moments of respect to the previous films that you probably won't notice the first time watching it, but it also is heavily inspired by the comics, and it's heavily themed with voodoo practices. Yeah. I never not once looked at those movies and thought about voodoo. Yeah, like this one's heavily inspired by voodoo. So in this film, the creeper is associated with the voodoo, with voodoo and, I think I'm going to butcher saying this word, but Santarismo. And it's supposed to be the illusion of Ogun, which is a spirit from an African religion. Ogun is the founder of blacksmiths, hunters, farmers, and other allied professions. His symbol is iron, and he's known to be violent towards enemies. Like, this film is seriously, I wouldn't even get that just watching the movie. I only know this because I had to research it a little bit. Again, I think this is a cash grab. God, it was awful. Maybe there might have started as good intentions, but... Uh, no. no. Uh, in this film, we see a lot of red candles. This is because red is meant to symbolize rebirth, vitality, and eternal life in voodoo. And it ties into the, quote, awakening of the creeper. 
eternal life, though, didn't Salva say that the creeper could be defeated? He wouldn't be eternal then. More contradictions. I, I, I just don't get it. It's awful. There's more contradictions there. The plot of this film is set in an ex... So this, if you don't get that, try to wrap your mind around this. Like, I, I even had to, like, read this several times before I could understand what it was saying. Okay. The plot of this film is set in an exterior universe where the other three films in the movie, or in the franchise, are supposed to be the fictional movies based off of the story. And this film is supposed to be the story of what really happened. <laughs> I do not buy this for a second. Oh, boy. Dude, I oh don't boy. buy this for a freaking second. No. Just along and Ray Wise were asked to have involvement with this film, but no agreements were ever made. And I'm glad they didn't come back. I bet because Justin Long looked at that script and went, Hell nope. no. I'd rather get hit in the face with a dodgeball. <laughs> Dodged. I, I, I bet Dodged. he did. I really bet he did. You know, honestly, I think, he probably did, and I wouldn't blame him. This film was done during the COVID-19 pandemic, and it may account for some of the reason why it's not good, but only a small amount. You, you can't. I mean, you might be able to make that. I mean, for complications with casting, filming, and prop transportation, but like. Maybe, but Jackass 4 may manage to do it. So That's a great point. You can't really use that. As and Godzilla versus Kong. You're right. Did it, and right. they did it good, so. So you I mean, can't I don't know even about use that. that. And, and that's, that's what, what the director, director tried to open up and tell us, warn us about, well, because of COVID. COVID. No, you just sucked. I'm sorry. <laughs> Salva had his own script for Jeepers Creepers 4 with reports that Gina Phillips was to return as Trish. However, that was never brought into place. And shocker. That's what he said in the third film, too. He said in the third film that we would figure out what the Creeper is and that Trish is going to come back and kill him. Lies. Lies. And then, yeah, apparently this was what this film was. But no, it wasn't. And when Jeepers Creepers 5 comes out, which I'm sure it will, how much you want to bet? I don't know. Where people are so anti Jeepers Creepers now because of Salva, I don't know. How much you want to bet? It'll come. It might not be recent future, but it'll be distant future. I bet another one will come out. This is the first Creeper film where the Creeper is not played by Jonathan Breck, as we said earlier. Instead, the Creeper is played by, I hope I don't butcher his name, uh, Jero Benjamin. If you Google an image, you can clearly tell that it's him who's playing the creeper. I've never seen what it looks like. I want, I want to Google it. You can tell it's him playing the creeper, which to me says once again that the makeup is just not good. The design is not good. This is the first creeper film to be shot outside of the United States. What did you say his name was? Jero Benjamin. You spell it J-A-R-R-E-A-U. Benjamin. This is also the first film where we see the creeper eat something other than a human. When he is fresh out of hibernation, he eats a whole bunch of worms in the ground with, yeah, when he's crawling around and stuff. I, I see what you're saying here. Yeah. I mean, when you compare it to Breck, you look up a picture of the Breck, of Jonathan Breck, and you can, if you look real, like, kind of look for it, you're like, oh, I can kind of see. Yeah, I can tell. But off the bat, you don't look at Jonathan Breck and be like, oh, that's the creeper, like, you, unless you just know that. Resemblance-wise, it's not there. I'm holding a comparison in my hand right now. There's a picture of Jonathan Breck at the lower part of the screen, and then there's the new guy at the beginning part. There's a big difference. <laughs> there's a oh real God, big difference. Oh, it's just not good. Um, For this film, a new Creeper truck had to actually be built because the original trucks were in the United States, and it would have been too costly to transport them to London. This, I thought, was really cool. I think I even told you about this when I heard about it. Since most of the cast were English, they actually had to have an accent teacher come teach them how to speak southern, uh, southern U.S. accent. <laughs> That's funny. 
They should just have me. I, I, I'd get them. Why didn't they just cast people that way? Budget, probably. The crew stayed at Froyal Park Country Estate in Rybridge Lane, Alton, Hampshire, England, while filming. And this is a 16th century estate, and it's supposedly haunted. So, I mean, that's kind of interesting. Crew members also stayed near a prison, and there were signs posted warning drivers not to pick up hitchhikers. Kind of reminds me of something like back in the, in the day. That's creepy. That they do. There are several references from the previous films and memorabilia at the festival. But again, you're probably not going to see these the first time you watch it. You'd have to like really be looking for it. There's voodoo dolls from victims in the first film. There's the band of Bantons jacket from the second film. Dismembered head with a hat mocking the death of the sheriff in the third film. There's references from the creeper's old hand in the third film. And there's squad logos from the third film. But again... You don't, you're not going to notice Why are we referencing the third film? I know, right? But, like, you're not going to notice these when you watch it the first time. And I personally do not want to go back and watch it again to try to find them because it's just not worth the time. During the final credits, there is a dedication to Nathan Forrest Winters, who was the victim of Victor Salva. And I I do respect that. That is one good thing I'll say about this movie. I didn't know that. You never told me about that. That's one good thing I'll say about this movie. And, yeah, that's pretty much Jeepers Creepers Reborn. Yeah, disappointing. Yikes. Yeah. So, I don't know. Usually I like to end our episodes kind of upbeat, but my God, that was such a mood kill. This film's Yikes. so awful. <laughs> well. Yeah, so. Well, guys. Keepers Creepers, good, good franchise. Yeah. Uh, it has its ups, has its downs. Right. And has its all arounds. I would recommend for anyone who has not watched the, any of the Jeepers Creepers movies, don't waste your time with the third and fourth one. Unless, I mean, you're going to, I don't know, it just depends. Like I am And maybe the third one, but don't even bother with the fourth. No. I think it's safe to say how, that it's clearly obvious that I'm a huge fan of the first movie. And I know some people would be like, well, sequels automatically go down in quality. Um, not necessarily true. Not necessarily. Because uh, I, know, I know some people are like, I've never seen a movie that's on its fourth sequel be good. Uh, you ever heard of Rocky Four? Oh, it's the best one. I don't care what you say. It's the best one. So you you can make it, again, back to time, care, money, and good writing can make a good movie. Yeah. I'm more interested to know if any of you guys decide to give any of these movies a shot. I'm interested particularly to know if you like the first or second one better. Yeah, watch these movies. Let us know your thoughts. Yeah, most Shoot people us an email. Agree. Let us know what you think. If yeah. we're wrong, hey, we're wrong. We like to hear different viewpoints <laughs> yeah. on things. Yeah, most people agree third and fourth are not worth it, but first and second one definitely are. So thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. I had no idea that talking about Jeepers Creepers would end up to be a two-full-length ep- episode type of thing. Oh, uh, wait till we get into some other topics. Oh, I know. Oh, boy. But where Jeepers Creepers is my favorite horror film of all time kind of makes sense now. Yeah. So thank you so much, guys, for joining us. We hope all you guys stay spooky and weird out there. Mm-hmm. Stay spooky. Stay weird. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'd love to have you again. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Like that song. Uh, no, like that show, that kid show we used to watch, Out, out of the Box. So out long. Farewell to you, my friend. I can't sing. <laughs> but <laughs> Well, closing out, as always, I'm Hannah. And I'm Taylor. And together we are Weird, weird Side, Side Podcast. Podcast.